morning. <laughs> and again, welcome to everybody. Are we at live on Facebook as well? Okay, so welcome to Facebook Live. As I mentioned, Pastor Mike and Rhonda are out on a short sabbatical. Please keep them in your prayers, just trusting God that they have, um, they'll be uh, having opportunity to visit family and their sweet little grandbaby. And um, we just want to pray that they have time of refreshing and recharging while they're out. And if they're watching right now, everything is fine. It's just fine. <laughs> so we want them to have a good time. Um, I'm excited to share the word with you this morning. I'm always excited for the opportunity. And I just think it's funny what I'll be sharing on and what we're um, going through right now and even what Stacy shared on. I think what she shared was timely for offering. But let's just go ahead and pray, Lord. I just thank you for the opportunity to share your word. And Lord, I thank you that by the power of your Holy Spirit, you have exactly what each and every one of us needs to hear today. So Lord, I pray for the, your power and your anointing to flow through me. Lord, I pray that you open our hearts and our ears and our minds to what, you, to, uh, what it is that you have to say to us, God. I recognize, Lord, that as your word goes forth, it could be heard countless different ways. But Lord, I trust you that those who are listening today are going to hear exactly what they need to hear, like manna from heaven. So Lord, I just pray that you fill this room with your presence right now and just be with us as we declare your word. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 So we're starting a summer series um, through the summer called I've Been Wondering, and I've Been Wondering short series. And for the next three weeks, I'm going to be doing a mini-series called I've been wondering, is my faith enough? I've been wondering, is faith enough? And it's an honest question. How many times have we walked through things that we've seen people who are young in their faith or, or just trying out faith, like sticking their big toe in the river going, okay, I tried that faith thing. It didn't really work for me. And I, I trusted God for this and it didn't it didn't pan out for me. I, I attempted the tithing thing. It didn't really work for me. They just kind of did the big toe in the water and, and drew back. Right? Have you seen that? Yeah. I've seen it. Or how many of us have been seasoned in our faith? Now I'm going to be transparent. How many of us have been seasoned in our faith? It's like, God, you know what? I've been walking out this faith thing for a long time. I've checked the boxes. I've done the right thing. I just got a question. How come things aren't looking a little bit different? I kind of expected this. Uh, some of you are thinking, I've never asked God of that. You know what? King David asked God about that yes. over and over again. Read the yes. psalm. He asked God, yes. wait a second, God, what is going on? How is it that everyone else around me seems to be getting their miracle and getting their blessing? But did you like, well, what about, what about me, God? <laughs> did you overlook me? Have you ever had those questions? I have. I've walked through it, and Pastor Mike, he'll say, whenever I'm preparing, I've asked him over the years, how do you prepare for a message? And he says, Angie, just speak from your heart. Amen. Just speak from your heart. So if Amen. you want to know the real deal, I, I've wrestled with these things. I've come before God with these hard questions, and I've asked him, why is it it's working out for, for Joe and Mary and all these others? What, what's going on, God? And then oftentimes the Holy Spirit comes up behind and he nudges me on the shoulder and he says, hey, remember that 10th commandment? Remember that one that says, thou shalt not covet? You shall not be desirous of what you see going on because guess what? You have no idea. 
what price they paid. You have no idea what fires they had to walk through, what lion's dens that they circled to gain that victory. You have no idea. And guess what? You have your own battles and your own giants to slay. You have your own victory to gain. So don't be wasting your time wishing for someone else's. Don't covet that thing. You stay in your lane. Some perceive or they just think like, okay, well, if I'm walking by faith, I just get this automatic download and my ship just comes in and it's just easy street. Wouldn't that be nice? Wouldn't that be nice? But I got to tell you, that's just not the case. You know what? I'm a nurse. And so this is how I've raised my kids. This is how I've raised my kids. They'll just start shaking their head. I'll say, listen, you're going to go to the doctor and it's going to hurt. And you're not going to cry about this because we just don't make a scene, right? Right? And so you're going to be have you're going to have to toughen up, right? You're going to have to toughen up. And my kids have a pain tolerance that's off the charts, man. Because Kelsey got a bone set when she was little. They set her bone and she went, "Oh man, that was the extent of her pain." I mean, they're just they're just tough. And so I love honesty, though, because I love knowing like. Okay, this is what's coming down the pike. Okay, so I can be prepared for this. So I love that Jesus doesn't mince words. Yeah. Yes. I love that he says, listen, yes. in this world, you're going to have yes. trouble. Yes. And there is no prerequisite of Christianity to have trouble. Mm-hmm. Whether you're a Christian or not, you're going to face it. Yeah. Right. But when you're a Christian, you also have hope. Yeah. Because when you're a Christian, yeah. you serve a God that has overcome the world. Yeah. When you're a Christian, you get to walk in his power. I love that Jesus is just plain honest with us. And when we walk this faith life, we're going to walk through some challenges. We're going to walk through some fires. But we also have hope. Society offers a plethora of philosophies on faith and belief, right? There's a plethora, a smorgasbord, if you will, of what you can choose from. You can choose from a faith that's personal, that's unique to you. You can absolutely create your own God. There is no absolute truth. Well, heck, if you want to, just go ahead, manifest your future. You do what suits you. But I got to tell you, that is not the God kind of faith that I read about in the Bible. And if I'm going to invest my life walking out a faith-filled life, I don't want anything less than the God kind of faith because I want where the real power lies. Amen? Amen? Faith is a gift from God. It saves you. It sustains you. And it brings Him glory. Faith has substance and it has evidence. There's structure to it. There's meat to those bones when we read Hebrews chapter 11. Faith is confidence and trust in the one who is faithful. He is always faithful. It's an established conviction, a settled expectation, a confident assurance in God and his promises. And God is not shook by our hard questions when we come before him and we say, what's up, God? Why is this shaken out this way? He's actually honored when we trust him enough to bring about our broken and our fractured pieces. When we trust him enough and we say, God, how is this? How is this happening like this? I need some answers. That's why David was called a man after God's own heart. He wasn't afraid to press in and pursue God on the hard things. I want to encourage you this morning. 
God designed you to excel in your faith. God has designed you to excel in your faith. He's designed you to grow and increase and multiply in your faith. He has called you and equipped you to run your race and to run it well. Man, you are called to run with class and with style and to finish strong. You are not called to stumble through the end zone. He's called you to run your race and run it well. But here's the truth of the matter. We have a responsibility in it. I'm reminded of 1 Corinthians 14.1 where Paul says, Pursue love and desire spiritual gifts. Pursue love and desire spiritual gifts. You see, neither love nor gifts, they don't just come automatically. Wouldn't that be nice if we could just have a download? They don't come automatically. We can't be passive and just do an indifferent osmosis kind of thing. We're to pursue those things. Likewise, we're to add to our faith and to build our faith. And that's what I want to get into today. Get into today. We freely receive God's promises. We freely receive his grace and power. Those are gifts to us. We receive them. But we have to mix some grit in. We receive God's power, but we have to mix it with some staying power. Amen? Some perseverance and some endurance, right? We've got grace. And we've got to mix in grit. If you walk out with anything today, I want you to take that phrase with you. I walk in grace, God's power, and I walk with grit. I've got some staying power. Our church building is such a great example of this. Right here. This church building testifies of this. It's built now. It's established. It's beautiful. It's the place that we come to worship. It's the place we come to fellowship. It's a place we come to minister to others. And many, many, dozens, hundreds, thousands of lives will be changed here. Amen? Amen. But you know what's so funny is I've heard people say, I've heard different conversations, and I've heard people say, how did that happen so suddenly? (laughs) How did that happen so suddenly? All of a sudden, they built a building. And Pastor Mike, he actually preached several, a series on it. He talked about the Kairos time of God. Remember that? He talked about the Kairos time of God. He said, when you're in the Kairos time of God, things happen suddenly. There's favor on it. And you see that it's all green light. This time, it's go time, right? And so we did. We had a taste of that suddenly. But I also recall the decades of carrying that promise. I also recall the decades of persevering and faithful prayer and seeking out wise counsel of when to go and when to stay. There were decades before the suddenly of hanging in there. There were decades of faithfully serving and ministering wherever we were, whether it was rented space, whether it was street ministry, whether it was youth outreaches, whether it was overseas in different countries. There were decades of faithfully serving wherever God led. And being good stewards of the hearts that were presented to us. Individuals and families and bringing them in before the Lord. Oftentimes, when we're pursuing things in faith, it takes longer than expected. And God leads us through routes that we never would have chosen. But God is doing a work in our lives each and every time through it all. And sometimes it's so evident and then sometimes it's unseen for a long time. But the truth of the matter is, it's always working towards our good. Because he is a good and faithful father. So I want to invite you this morning to turn with me to 2 Peter 
chapter 1, verses 1 through 12. And that's a lot of scripture, but guess what? We got a lot of extra time this morning. <laughs> and there's some rich truths in here that I want you to pull on. I want you to take them, put them in your back pocket, chew on them. And here's what he says. He says, to those who have obtained like precious faith with us by the righteousness of our God and Savior, Jesus Christ, grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. Now, I'm going to dissect this as we go, okay? So be patient with me. But here's what Peter says. He goes, grace and peace be multiplied to you. So God's grace, his power, and then peace, nothing missing, nothing broken, be multiplied to you. That's how he starts. And he says, as his divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. Through the knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue, by which we have been given, which have been given to us exceedingly great and precious promises, that through these you may be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. You see what he says? He says, God has given us his divine power. He has given us great and precious promises that we can be partakers of the divine nature. That is in us. God has given that. We walk in that. But then he says, but also for this very reason, you need to give all diligence to add to your faith. To add to your faith. Some translations say to supplement your faith. You know, if you're like a nutrition buff, right, and you're eating all the right foods, a lot of times what you'll do in addition to that is you'll take supplements. Mm -hmm. And why are you taking supplements? You're taking supplements so that you lack no good thing. You're taking supplements so that your body can operate at its best capacity, right? You've got all the nutrients, all the minerals, everything that you need to think sharp to operate sharp, to be strong, right? You supplement things so that there is no lack. The gaps are filled in. And that's what Peter's saying. He said, listen, you've got faith. But to that, you need to be diligent to add a few things. You need to add virtue. Virtue is this. It's strength, it's courage, and it's moral valor. Church, you want to be a city on the hill? You want to shine bright for Jesus? The bar is so low right now. You walk in strength. You walk in courage. And you walk in moral power, not puffed up, not full of pride, but just consistently walking in those things, doing the right thing, being men and women of integrity. You're going to draw some people to Jesus. You're going to draw some attention. Because people are drawn to excellence. They are not drawn to the riffraff. They're not. They're drawn to excellence. And the bar is so low right now. It doesn't take a whole lot to shine. God's saying, add. Add that to your faith. And then he says, add to virtue, knowledge, and understanding. Church, we need to be knowledgeable. Knowledgeable about what's going on in the spirit realm, what's going on in our society. Knowledgeable and understanding of our fellow man compassionate and caring, able to reach out, willing to help mend broken hearts or shattered minds. There's a lot of those out there. They need some clarity. And they need that that knowledge and understanding. On top of knowledge, add some (laughs) self-control. Add some discipline. Discipline yourself so nobody else has to. (laughs) Add some self-control to that. And to that, the next one, This is the one where we're going to hinge on a lot today. 
add to your self-control perseverance, patient endurance. To perseverance, add godliness. Pastor Mike just finished a series on that, right? Godliness, that reverent worship of the Lord. And to godliness, brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness, love. So we start out with a multiplication of grace and peace, and we land on love, right? Good bookend. For if these things are yours and abound, you will neither be barren nor unfruitful. I love that God cares that our lives are full of good fruit. Good fruit in our lives. And that it abounds in our lives. And do you know why he cares about that? Because good fruit sustains you. It feeds you, but it also sustains and feeds others. And God says, if you will do this, if you will build up your faith, you'll neither be barren nor unfruitful. But he who lacks these things is short-sighted even to blindness. They can't see the nose at the end of their face and has forgotten that he was cleansed from his old sins. Therefore, brethren, be even more diligent to make your call and election sure. For if you do these things, you will never stumble. You will run your race and you will run it well. For so an entrance will be supplied to you abundantly into the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. For this reason, I will not be negligent to remind you always of these things though you know and are established in the present truth. I love that Peter put that in there. He's like, I know you know this. I know you've been schooled in this. And Angie would say today, I know you've heard some of these messages before. I know that that you're educated in this, but this is what Peter said. He said, yes, I think it's right. As long as I'm in this tent, as long as I have air in my lungs to stir you up by reminding you. So even though you know this, We need that reminder, amen? We need that reminder that, oh yeah, I got a lot of grace and I need a little grit. I need that staying power to stay in the race, amen? So God provided our rescue. He gave us power. He gave us knowledge. He gave us great promises. He's given us his divine nature to reflect his glory. But But we have a part to play. We don't just get to stand as bystanders observing and and waiting for something else. It starts with grace and peace, but there's always more in God. There's always more to pursue. And it's our responsibility to diligently pursue these things. And without diligence, there's no ground gained. Right? We can't be passive, but we have to actively receive his grace. Actively determined to grow in him and to continue to grow in him. Let me tell you, if you're here today and you've got air in your lungs, you have not arrived. God still has more for you. He still has more. So don't think, well, I got this Christian thing all wrapped up in a box and I can just sit back and relax. I got it all figured out. God's like, no, I've got more for you. And he wants you to join him in his work of growing and sharing his love and redemption with others. Amen? Amen. And one of the things I'm so happy for is I'm happy for the examples that we have from the heroes of faith in Hebrews chapter 11. Yes. It is absolutely one of my favorite passages of scripture because you know what? The heroes of faith are ordinary people just like you and I. That's right. They're ordinary people with hard questions. They're ordinary people that face tough things. They had to walk through life and they had to go through trials. But here's the thing about these ordinary people. They never lost of their God and the promises that he set before them. He, they kept their focus on him. So we're going to go to Hebrews chapter 11, verse 7. And I actually have a PowerPoint, but I kind of 
gave up on any technology working today. So, <laughs> but we'll go ahead and go to Hebrews chapter 11, verse 7. And we're going to just discuss three heroes of faith today. Because in this house right now, I believe that there are heroes of faith that can relate to these three characters. So by faith, Noah being divinely warned of things not yet seen, never seen it before, moved with godly fear, prepared an ark for the saving of his household, by which he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness which is according to faith. Noah's actions were evidence of his faith. His faith, his faith, influenced his practice. In spite of scorn, in spite of the culture that surrounded him, his faith moved him into action and perseverance. That is a miracle. That is such a miracle right there because how often does culture influence our practice? But Noah wasn't swayed by culture. He was of a different breed, pursuing God. It took Noah decades to build the ark, 120 years. I got to tell you, there are days, I'll just be honest, 120 seconds of perseverance is tough for me because the battle between these two points is real. The battle is real. There's times that I get full and I have to battle fear and anxiety. Come on, now I know I'm not just talking to myself. There are times I have to battle fear of missing out. Why, what, what, why? I have to, but the word says, come on now, let's hunker down. Keep your focus on the thing that's true, on God and his promises over your life, and that his promises extend beyond these 40, 50, 80, 120 years that goes into eternity. Let's keep our focus right. That's 120 years of perseverance building that ark. 120 years of keeping his focus on what God promised and what he directed. How easy would it be? Now, come on, you can relate. How easy would it be for Noah to be building that ark, pounding in another nail, and looking over at his neighbor's beautiful mansion, <laughs> right? The mansion that overlooks the horizon, right? And saying, God, he is not even serving you. <laughs> and he's got all that and those camels and those sheep and that staff. And I'm here working on this stupid boat. Come on. How many times? You're like, what? I don't think Noah ever said that. Well, I don't know. I just wonder. I know I've had some temper tantrums. Come on. But Noah's faith and his affections were in sync. Noah kept his eyes on God. His focus affected his actions. His focus affected his actions, and he moved with God. Listen now, your faith, what you set your focus on, influences your affections. It influences your actions. It affects your response, and you will pursue the thing that you focus on. Lisa Turkers has a, a nice little quote. You will steer where you stare. Be careful, little eyes, what you see. You will steer where you stare. Noah kept his eyes on the prize. The Bible says the whole time that Noah, as he was building that ark, he was a preacher of righteousness. Because of Noah's life, that generation had no excuse. They had no excuse. They were witnesses 
of the long-suffering patience of God. God gave them lots of opportunity. The Bible says that God wishes that none would perish. That's his heart's desire, that none would perish. And for 120 years, Noah preached righteousness, and he built, and there was evidence of God to that generation. How many of you know that if one person would have come up and said, Noah, I don't know what you're doing here, but I'm convicted. Tell me about your God. How many of you know that God would have counted that as righteousness to that person? There would have been room on the ark for that person. But by their choice, that generation had a choice to either convert or be condemned. By their choice, they were condemned. They rejected the true and living God. How, what is God doing through you and how you choose to walk with him? What is God doing through you? Hebrews 11, 8 through 10, it says, By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to the place which he would receive as an inheritance. And he went out, not knowing where he was going. By faith, he dwelt in the land of promise, as in a foreign country, dwelling in tents with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs with him of the same promise. For he waited for the city which has foundations, whose builder and maker is God. Abraham went out not knowing where he was going. He was in uncharted territory. Who can relate? I know there's some of you here. You can relate. Like, I've never been here before. I don't know how to navigate this. It didn't make sense. He left his homeland. He left the inheritance that he knew was a sure thing in pursuit of what God had for him. He stayed close to God, and he diligently sought after God and obeyed him. He continued this in his faith journey over and over again, obeying and seeking, obeying and seeking, obeying and seeking, wash, rinse, repeat, Mm -hmm. obeying and seeking, and then seeing the goodness of God come to pass in his life. In trusting the promises of God, Abraham had the long view. Remember what we read about in 2 Peter when he said, listen, if you don't do this, if you don't have diligence about this, you're short-sighted. This is all you can see is you yourself and your little circumstances and your worries. But Abraham had the long view. He could see through eternity that God had something great for him. He wasn't short-sighted or blind. He looked out over the distance of time and pursued God's vision. Now listen to me. Whatever you're facing, your current events, whether it's the national, the global, or just what you've got going on in your backyard. Your current events can only be appropriately assessed and addressed with an eternal focus. You want to get it right? you got to get God's focus on that and see the long view. I want to share a testimony. This is like just narrowing it down, a little testimony that happened personally in my life. But, you know... Um, when I was in my 20s, I got my associate degree for nursing. And their plan was always to go on and get my bachelor's degree. But kids came, life happened, you run in the household, whatever. In my early 40s, I said, you know what, I, I think it's time. I feel a prompting to go back, and go back to school and finish my bachelor's degree. That is scary business, because you know a 40-year-old mind isn't as sharp as a 20-year-old mind. And I'm going back to school, and my family was supportive of it, and I finished my bachelor's degree in nursing. I thought, I'm all done. A couple months later, there was this nudge, a little prompting. And I said, you know what, I I, I never had this on my plan, my agenda, but I think i got to go back and get my master's degree. And so um, 
talked to my family about, again, had their support. And God helped me through it all. I got to tell you, when God gives you a promise, because when I was in my 20s, I went to school and I said, God, this is scary business. And um, if you help me through this, God, if you help me through this, I'll give you all the glory. And in that time, I graduated at the top of my LPN class, and I graduated at the top of my RN class. And I don't say that to brag because I'm so smart. I say that because God was faithful in that promise. And when I went back for my bachelor's degree and felt like, gosh, this is going to be a stretch because I'm working full time, I'm going to school full time, Kelsey and Kevin decided, hey, we want to get married. So we're putting together a wedding. Um, God helped me graduate with a 4.0. That was the goodness of God, the faithfulness of God. And he did the same with my master's degree. But I remember going back for my master's degree, and I even remember my friend Lisa. She, she was one of the ones, one of the many, that said, so what are you going to do with this? <laughs> like, why are you doing this? What's the outcome going to be? And I said, you know, I just don't know. I don't know the outcome of it, but I feel compelled to go. And I've learned something in my life that when I follow after peace, yes. that compass that God has given me is yes. always true. And so even when it doesn't make sense to my natural mind or some people around me are saying, what are you doing? Why are you doing this? I don't know, but I got to follow after peace because when I follow after peace, it shakes out for me. And I've seen God's faithfulness in it for me. And so here I was going through my master's and lo and behold, just towards the end of graduating with my master's, the position that I have now opened up. And I wasn't looking, but I applied for this position and I got the position, and God positioned me in a place that I just needed to be because I didn't know what else was coming down the pipe, okay? But God said, look, I'm going to take care of you, and I'm going to get you equipped, and I'm going to position you so that I can sustain you in this. And I'm going to use the skill that I've given you. I'm going to use the gifts that I've given you to position you in the right place. God is faithful. And when I was praying about this message, I felt like the Holy Spirit said, tell the parents that that's true for them too. I didn't have it in my notes. I added it extra. But I felt like the Lord said, tell those parents that are raising those kids that it's true for you too. That when you're raising those kids and you're seeing the long view past their behavior, past some of their choices, but you're like, God, I just want to capture their heart for Jesus. God says, so do I. <laughs> More than you ever know, because I've got great things in them. And God would say to you, you will never be wrong when you get on your face before him, over your kids, and you pursue peace. He is going to give you divine wisdom and his nature and his direction, how to teach and encourage and raise your kids so that they are men and women of God. Come on, I'm telling you right now, that is gold. That is pure gold, mom and dad. Take that home, put it in the bank, use it daily, because God is faithful in that. Follow after peace. Let's go to Hebrews 11, 11, 12. It says, by faith, Sarah herself also received strength to conceive seed, and she bore a child when she was past the age, because she judged him faithful who had promised. She put her confidence in the one who was faithful. Therefore, from one man... And him as good as dead were born as many as the stars of the sky in the multitude, innumerable as the sand which is by the seashore. Sarah was 90 years old when she gave birth to her son Isaac. That's an incredibly long time to wait for a son, wouldn't you agree? The thing about patience 
It's only put into practice when things take longer than expected. Why is it like, I'm a patient person. Until <laughs> <laughs> it took 15 minutes to get your Big Mac. <laughs> Patience isn't required unless it takes longer than what's expected. And that's where you got to employ that what? A little bit of that grit, right? Amen. I'm going to invite you to stand with me as we wrap things up. I don't know if I should ask the worship team to join me as well. <laughs> There's something about music. You know, when music is playing, it softens our hearts and opens our minds. So I just want you to just right now take time to ponder the things that have been spoken today. I know that the Holy Spirit spoke to you what you needed. I want you to just sit and digest that like, okay, Lord, now how do I apply this? How do I walk out in this? We need to pull from these heroes of faith. I love that there are ordinary people that pursued an extraordinary God. We need to pull from them and their ability to have the long view. To have the long view in mind. Not the short-sighted view of, oh my gosh, the chaos right now. Have the long view and cling to God's perspective and promise to persevere and endure. Because I want to tell you something, and there is a prophetic hinge on this. Our generation needs you to endure. I believe right now in this house and whoever listens to this message, there are Noah's, Abraham's, and Sarah's in this room today. You're called to stand a little bit taller. You're called to walk with confidence and make room for the move of God in our generation. Some of you have the anointing like Noah and God is calling you and trusting you to build something new. Something like you've never seen or known before. Our generation hasn't seen it. We haven't known it. And God is faithfully downloading the design into your heart and mind. And you have to wrestle with that because you're like, God, I haven't seen this before. I, I, I don't know. But he's saying, nope, I'm giving you the divine download. And as you persist and you pursue him, the thing that he is giving you right now, some of you, I, I just know by the power of God, you know exactly. You're like, yeah, I've been kind of kicking that thing around. And God is saying, listen to me, if you will persist in pursuing that, the thing that I've given you will serve as a vessel that will protect, preserve, and deliver. And it will be a testament to others of my love and my faithfulness. Do it. God is calling you to do it. Those of you with that Noah anointing. And there's some of you, you have an Abraham anointing. And God's bringing you into a new land. It's an uncharted territory. And it, it's scary. It's like, I don't know this. I haven't seen this before. I don't have history books to reference on this. I haven't been here before. But I want you to know, God is saying to you, your inheritance resides there. Amen. You want to step out in faith because your inheritance resides there. Your blessing beyond measure is in that unknown. And if you hold back, if you step back into your comfort zone and you choose to reside there, you're going to relinquish the promises of God. You're going to relinquish the fullness that he has for you. So I want to encourage you to step out because God's calling you today to add to your faith virtue and strength and courage and moral valor. He's calling you to add knowledge and understanding and perseverance and godliness and mercy and love. He's calling you forth right now. And then there's some Sarahs. There's some Sarahs in the house today. And I can hear it right now. I can hear it in my heart when I was praying over this message. God, I'm just too old. I'm past my prime. I'm just going to coast. 
to the end. I've done all I can do, and I'm just going to coast. And God's like, that is not the case at all. God is calling you to birth something and bring it to life, and he's saying, guess what? You are right on time. And what you carry inside of you and what God is calling you to deliver is not a watered-down gospel. It's not counterfeit. It has the very DNA of our Heavenly Father, and it's time to deliver. Your season is upon you. You are not too old. We're living in the greatest of days. We are living in the greatest of days. You said it. We're living in the greatest of days, and our generation was made for this very time. We are living in a season of grace, Multiply to us God's power and, we're, and his provision, and we're living in a season of grit. We got some staying power. We're not going down. We're taking ground. So rather than sitting around bemoaning our time, worrying about what's going on, we need to embrace what God is doing and ask ourselves as present-day heroes of faith, God, what is my chapter 11? What is my Hebrews chapter 11? Because God's still looking at you and he's going, you're a hero, you're a hero, you're a hero, you're a hero. Persevere. Grit and grace, baby. Grit and grace. Amen? Amen. Hebrews 10 says, Therefore do not cast away your confidence, which has great reward. For you have need of endurance, so that after you have done the will of God, you may receive the promise. For yet a little while, and he who is coming will come and will not tarry. Now the just shall live by faith. But if anyone draws back, my soul has no pleasure in him. But we are not of those who draw back to perdition, but of those who believe in the saving of the soul. I want to just encourage you, trust that God is worthy of your pursuit. What he has for you is good in this life, and it exceeds this life. It affects the eternity of others. So right now, I don't know everybody here, and I don't know if you've all accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, but i got to tell you, he is the greatest hero of faith. The word says that Jesus is the author and finisher of our, our, of our faith and who, for the joy that was set before him, endured the cross, despising the shame, and is sat down at the right hand of the throne. Jesus looked past the shame and his joy was you and his joy was me. He did it all for you. He died on the cross, rose again to save you and I and bring you into right relationship with God. All you have to do is receive. So this morning, I want to give opportunity. If you have never accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, today is your day. And I would just ask that you pray with me. We're going to go ahead and pray this together. And there's times, too, i got to tell you, I'm sitting on the front row, and Pastor Mike leads the, the salvation prayer, and i got tears running down my face. Because sometimes as a Christian that doesn't need to be saved, I just take inventory of my heart, and I recognize, like, Lord, I surrendered this to you, and then I took it back. I surrendered that to you, and I took it back trying to be God of my own life. So maybe that's you today, too. There's just things you need to surrender. So as we pray this salvation prayer, I just ask that you just lay it all at the Lord's feet. So Heavenly Father, I come to you in Jesus' name. I am a sinner. I believe Jesus died on the cross for my sin and rose again. I don't want to live apart from you. I repent of my sin and choose to follow you from this moment forward. Jesus, forgive me and be Lord of my life. Fill me with your Holy Spirit and give me strength to live for you. In Jesus' name.